My name is Dacre Stoker. I'm the great-grandnephew of Bram Stoker. He's the author of Dracula. I'm the author of Dracul, along with J.D. Barker. You're listening to Horror Film Face-Off. The Long Box Crusade presents an action film face-off holiday special. Horror Film Face-Off. And this year, it's 1981 versus 2015. Two werewolf films enter. One werewolf film leaves. Ow. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hit. Welcome to Action Film Face-Off, special horror film face-off. The show where two random years are selected. My brother will bring a horror film from one of the random years, while I bring a horror film from the other random year. Then those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of the episode. I am Jared Albrecht, the deathliest of death probes. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. My co-host is my brother, Jason Voorheesel Skull Albrecht. <laughs> Every year it's I funny. did, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> we are both military combat vets who take our action seriously, but not too seriously. So let's have some fun and get into 2021's horror film face-off version of action film face-off let's get spooky yes indeed we're going to score each of today's films on a scale of one to ten in five categories those categories are story overall spectacle best horror scene the hero and the villain still not in that order and you know what we're just gonna ride it out from here on out i think it's working, right, Jared? Is yeah, it's, no one's no one's sending any complaints. Yeah, so yeah. Then we're going to have a deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. I mean, Laurel's out front handing out candy to the kids while we do this, so we'll cut her some slack. Yeah, we can't interrupt her this year. Yeah. So anyway, thank you, Jason. Today, we are joined by a sniper. And as a reminder to those who listen to the show, or if this is your first show, then, you know, welcome. The Sniper has just one point to give in each category. Jason and I are going to do our usual one to 10 scale, but the Sniper has that one point in each category. So basically the Sniper says, I think movie A is better or movie B is better in this category. It's, it's very, very binary, but the Sniper can sway the scoring by a total of five points. And those of you who tuned in for the last episode know made all the difference. The Sniper actually picked the winner on our last episode with those five points. Let's meet our sniper for this episode from his entire headcast library of podcasts. My favorite of which, of course, is the G.I. Joe one. We have Aaron Brotherhead Meatloaf Moss. Welcome to the show, Meatloaf. Hey, thank you very much for having me. So this is the one where we talk about the IDW G.I. Joe series. Sure. No, no, we're doing horror films tonight, my oh, friend. Hopefully you got a chance to watch both of them. I think you actually watched them before Jason and I did, if I remember correctly. Because I'm Johnny on the spot. He is like, I told him what films it was like. The next day he was like, I'm done. 
<laughs> like, all right, all right. <laughs> well, we're going to ask you the standard question that we ask everybody. And the script lies to you just a little bit. Because <laughs> the script says, what are three of your favorite action films? But this horror film face-off. So if, if you're really excited about sharing your action films with us, you can do both. You can tell us what your three favorite action films are and your three favorite horror films are, if you would like. Up to you, Meatloaf. Well, actually, I picked my favorite three comedies just for the heck of it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> what I'm here for. So since this is horror, we'll go with the favorite horror movies, which is kind of hard because there's a lot of great ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it'll change day to day. depends on how I'm feeling. But to me, one of the best horror films is probably the original Halloween. Yes, good, good, good. I also have to give it up to the the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Can't go wrong. And part of me wants to say the first Friday the 13th, just to encompass all three of those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. ones, And I think that's the three I'm going to go for with right now, just because, like I say, it'll change on a day-by-day basis. But those are probably the three that I've seen the most. That's a no, solid either. lineup. I think those are good choices, man. Very, very good choices. So went with some classics, some solids. You can't go wrong with those. Now, before our two films enter the Video Dome arena, which definitely has spikes on it. At Halloween, it definitely has the spikes on it. We are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And this is Halloween Film Face-Off, so you know I messed with these names. <laughs> you did, I can tell. Every I'm, year. I'm every liking year. it. I'm liking it. And Helica Werewolf in London. All burned Elvis. All burned though. I'm so I'm gonna be so happy with myself on all these. He's gonna be laughing at himself all through. All right, here we go. Someone needs to. Bewitched Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it or slash it. Braxton Undertaker Wood. Creepy Clinton Robinson. Captain Entrails OB. Devilish Dave Collins. Gary V. And the V stands for vampire. Gerald Gangrene. Jason Voorhees Keen. <laughs> Jeremy L. And the L stands for lunatic. I'm trying to think if I could do this as a song. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it when I typed it. I tried to do it in my head. So I was like, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> Jim head in a German. Jim head in a German. Jim head in a German. I hope you like the German too. <laughs> he pulled it off. I love it. Nice, Jim sir. head in a German. <laughs> Jinxed Joe Thomas. Jigsaw John Watson. Jose Pollo, Rooster of Death. Josh Strickland, Principal of Pain. Ow! Candy Corn, Kathy Bright. It's not scary. <laughs> it's like sweet. You. Kathy's too sweet to be scary. How's he like? <laughs> Kathy Children of the Corn Bright? I don't know. <laughs> we'll work on it for next year. All right, next year. Extra Monstrous Mark Hatherley. Murderous Maxwell Traver. Michael Myers Wagner. Miranda W. And the W stands for witchcraft. P.D. Devins. And the P.D. stands for probably deranged. Paul Bearer Hicks. <laughs> That's, a, That's a good Rick from Jeff and Rick present Jeff's dead body. <laughs> I'm so proud of all these. Yes, they really are Rotting Rob Morgan. I think I missed my calling. I should have worked for the Garage Pill Kids Company back in the day. <laughs> yeah, man, he's pretty good. Wriggling Ross Michaud. Diane Ryan Daly. Sinister Samantha Manny. Shivering Sean Urbanski. 
Spidey 67. And it stands for Spidey six feet under seven. Stephen King Cronin. Tim Vincent Price. Toronto Wolf Cop. Brad Moon Rising Morin. Well done, everybody. I'm so proud. Those, those are good names. I like what you did there. And also, to all our listeners, if you've never seen Wolf Cop, you should totally see Wolf Cop. It's, it's just amazing. It's a great movie. All right. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent edition, we will add you soon. But no worries. You can let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. Not only will we straighten it out, but Pat probably would enjoy the correspondence because he's lonely. <laughs> If you'd like to join our Crusaders Club, it's very simple. You just go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as $1 a month. You get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club. Come check it out. And just, you know, since it's on my mind, since it happened recently, I want everybody to know Crusaders Club helped vote for our next ongoing show for Saturday Matinee Theater because we're about to wrap up Sherlock Holmes. And literally one vote from the Crusaders Club made all the difference. So join the club make a difference on what we cover we'll talk about that later with the official reveal but man your vote matters back to jason i want to be a member <laughs> aren't you jason Keane? maybe anyway let's get back to the horror and learn a bit about the film frighteners about to battle for your pleasure this episode i was assigned the year of 2015 and i have selected howl starring ed spellers spelliers I don't know if I spelliered it right in the script. <laughs> you might have misspelliered it. I might have misspelled. It's Ed somebody. I think it's Spellers. I want to say it's Spellers. It could be Spellers. Anyway, Ed and Rosie Day. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason? Well, I got 1981. So I'm putting into our video dome arena an American werewolf in London starring David Naughton and Jenny Agutter. Well, we've got a frightening matchup for this one, folks. So it's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason versus Freddy. We each had to select from our assigned year, so I might very well like his selection better than mine, which on the surface of it I thought I would, but I come to find out that Howl's a really good movie, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> so we'll have to see how the scores fall out. This is all about us really just discussing some beloved horror films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. Let's do a real quick around the room about where we saw it and how we saw it. Sometimes that helps the listeners be able to find it. So I will start. Howl, I originally was watching it on YouTube. It is free with ads on YouTube. I got tired of watching it with the ads, so I went and <laughs> ended up putting it on my Plex server so I could watch it with no ads. So first half I watched on YouTube, second half I watched via my Plex server. When it comes to American Werewolf in London, straight on my Plex server. I had the DVD, I put it on my Plex server, and that's how I watched it. Jason. For the 2015's Howl, I ordered it on Blu-ray. So I actually watched it the old school way. Put it in the old Blu-ray machine and watched it there. And then for An American Werewolf in London, I can't remember if it was Amazon Prime. It was free streaming either like on HBO Max or Amazon Prime. I can't remember which one. Somebody told me it was on HBO Max and and HD. So I'm suspecting that's where you watched it. That's probably where I saw it then. Yep. Over to you, Aaron. How did you watch these films? So I saw The Howling the first time back in 19... 19- oh, wait a minute. You didn't say Howling. You said Howl. The Howl. <laughs> Just- Can you give me a few minutes so I'm going to watch that one real quick? Oh, man. Torpedo in the whole show. <laughs> I learned from the best. Uh, so <laughs> I'm was- on the other end of it. No. <laughs> um, no, Howl. I saw that on... I'm going to say it was Amazon Prime. They had it from... 
IMDb with uh, commercials. So I watched it on there. And then American Warfare in London, I've seen that a bunch of times. But most recently, I watched it on Peacock. Okay, excellent. All right, so we're going to spoil both of these films to death. If you haven't seen American Warfare in London, where have you been? But anyways, we're going to give a short musical break here. Give you time to pause the show if you really want to go watch Howl or American Werewolf in London. And we'll be here when you get back. Folks, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed some of that werewolf goodness. Well, let me jump in with some quick info on 2015's Howl. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your guard speaking. I'd like to welcome you aboard the 2359 service to Eastborough. Tickets, please. I see your ticket, please. Thank you. Such a great night. You should have been there. This is the driver. As soon as we uh, hit something on the line, we should be on our way shortly. We seem to have broken down just outside Eastborough. What does the driver say? Is the train broken down or not? He's working on it. The station can't be more than, what, two miles walk? You follow the tracks, we'll all stay together. I don't see there be a problem. What is it? Run! Back on the train, everyone! Go, go, go! It's coming! Train full of bear bait. It wasn't a bear. Bears don't help. It's back. Okay, your cast and crew includes Ed Spelliers and Rosie Day. It's directed by Paul Hyatt. Synopsis goes a little something like this. A routine late-night British railway journey has some unexpected twists when the train suddenly stops in the middle of a spooky forest. You know what? It's werewolves! (laughs) And the unlikely group stranded on the train must band together to survive the horrible full moon night here is your interesting trivia one of the people featured in the films the biggest name attached to the film sean pertwee you may know him as alfred from the gotham tv series he was also formerly on this show when we discussed soldier he was in that film has always been in a bunch of stuff anyway sean pertwee is in the film and he has a whopping two and a half minutes of screen time mini spoiler he doesn't make it (laughs) right Trivia nugget number two. Speaking of Sean Pertwee, he was also in Dog Soldiers, which is also about werewolves, where he had his guts ripped out by a werewolf. He was also in Doomsday, where his character was strung up and fed to marauders 
by having his guts ripped out. <laughs> In this movie, a werewolf rips his guts out. <laughs> he's a gutsy actor. <laughs> so, I thought that was a funny bit of trivia. Yeah, he's, he's giving it all he's got. <laughs> oh, finally, the werewolves were played by people in prosthetic suits with the exception of the legs, which were done in CGI post-production so they could have that extra joint in them. We'll talk more about that later, but I thought the combination of practical with just that dash of digital made for a darn fine film. Over to you, Jason. And now I will give you the rundown on 1981's An American Werewolf in London. Did you hear that? What was it? A coyote. There aren't any coyotes in England. What happened to them? Well, the police report said they were attacked by an escaped lunatic. Must have been a very powerful man. Jack and I were not attacked by a man. It's an animal. A wolf. Did he say a wolf? Yes, I believe he did. Did you get a good look at the man who attacked you? Doctor, my memory is fine. It's my sanity I'm beginning to worry about. You've never had bad dreams before? Well, sure, as a kid, but never so real, never so weird. I'm going to look into your eyes. My friend Jack was just here. Your dead friend, Jack. Hi, David. He told me that I will become a monster in two days. The supernatural, the power of darkness, it's all true. Please believe me. Believe what? That tomorrow night, beneath the full moon, I'll sprout hair and fangs and eat people? You'd be surprised what horrors a man is capable of. Are you all right now? I don't know. I'll let you know the next full moon. I'm a werewolf. You're going to change. You'll kill people. You'll become... I know. A monster. Control! Control? What control? No, I'm not safe to be with. you got to stay away from me. Run! Everybody dies in it. The cast and crew included David Naughton, Jenny Agutter, and Griffin Dunn. It was directed by John Landis. Synopsis goes a little something like this. When American tourists David and Jack are attacked by a werewolf in the British Moors, Jack is killed and David awakens in a London hospital. As David recovers, he starts a relationship with nurse Alex Price. Before they can live happily ever after, however, the ghost of Jack returns to warn David that he has been bitten by a werewolf and a full moon is coming. There's tons of trivia for this one, so again, I had a hard time picking three, but here we go. First one. This was the first film to win an Academy Award for Best Makeup. It became a category in 1981, and then a lot of folks know, but in case you didn't, a little-known pop star named Michael Jackson loved the film so much that he hired David Landis and his entire crew to do the effects for the Thriller video. I have to jump in. If the Thriller video comes up, I can't help myself but to give this additional trivia. And Jason's absolutely right. Jackson saw it. He hires Landis. They're like, we're going to make the best 
music video ever, like the most expensive, the high end. So they asked MTV if they would fund it. And MTV said, we have a strict policy that we don't fund videos. Got to get the funding yourself. So they asked MTV, would you fund the making of Thriller video? They said yes to the tune of like $7 million. (laughs) So they made the video using the money that MTV gave them to make the making of the video video. (laughs) So wrap your head around that. (laughs) Play on, player. Play on. (laughs) Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Exactly. (laughs) Sorry, Jason. Back to you. Now, that's good info. Second bit of trivia, David Naughton was a star of the Dr. Pepper commercials back in the 70s and 80s. I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper, we're a pepper. You were a don't you want to be a pepper? Oh, man, I totally forgot that was him until you said it. Now I can totally see it. And he was cast in the film. He lost his Dr. Pepper contract after the company saw his mutilated corpse scene at the end of the movie. (laughs) They uh, no yeah. longer allowed him to be a pepper, too. No, he was no longer a pepper. He was peppered with bullets. <laughs> well, he had a bit of a tough time in this one, which leads us to the third bullet. So the British government originally refused to permit David Naughton to act in the city, and they were insisting that they use another local actor instead for the movie. They kept pushing, but they changed their mind when Lannis finally told them that he could always rename his movie An American Werewolf in Paris. Which... Eventually came to be. <laughs> yeah. But the first, it was a threat. He's like, I like that. Beer. Yeah. I'm sorry, laughing about Mike Quinn. That was a movie at some point. <laughs> yeah. It came out in the late 90s because I was working at the theater. I want to say like 97 or something like that. Did you ever see? I never saw that one. It's okay. I mean, it, it does not have the magic and charm of the first one. No. But it, it, I mean, you just watch it and you go, okay, okay. I got it. Well, now that we have the basics on today's contestants. We're about to get into it. Let me remind you of Match Game. We have two films in five rounds. Jason and I have each scored it. I have not seen his scores. He has not seen my scores. Place your bets on how many times we're going to match. You have 10 possible matches. How many do you think it's going to be? I've got my scores right here. I know how Jared loves the paper. (laughs) There's mine. I'll join in. There's mine. (laughs) And speaking of scores, here's your barometer. Remember, this is how we do it on our show. Five is average. Five is something you see on a decent made-for-TV movie. Okay, so you think about a decent made for TV movie. That's a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got yourself an awesome movie Four, three, two, one. And it's kind of forgettable and you don't really enjoy it. Now they got all that out of the way. Let's get in round one. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Round one is the story. How engaging your story. How original is your story? And we will start with Aaron. You're our guest. You can go first. Thoughts on the story of Howl from 2015. <laughs> just piece of paper I'd lay in there. Doesn't no, the, <laughs> even have notes on it. <laughs> but uh, sorry, here I am messing things up. So howling or howling, I, I did it again. <laughs> you really Howl. did watch the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah, I did. It was really good. It had werewolves in it and people doing things. No, <laughs> when you first. No, honestly, when you first said how from 2015, I'm like, what? Oh, against American World from London? Oh, yeah, I know. I know how that's going down easily. Like you were saying, I was a little impressed, a little surprised. 
The story I thought was really good. I mean, it's a werewolf story, so you can only go so far with it. But I thought the way they handled it, you know, put him in a subway or not subway, but a train. And they got to get stuck somewhere. A lot of the elements you expect to be there are there. But for being a movie I've never heard of until now, I thought they did a damn good job with the storyline for it. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with with you on any of those points. I'll just back up your point of, like you said, it's a werewolf movie on a train. There's not a lot of places to go, but like there's something to be said for doing the tropes really well. Mm-hmm. Like take yes. the basics and do them well. You know? yes. And that's what I think we had. Anyway, it's not my time to talk. It's Jason's time to talk. <laughs> what do you think, Jason? Howl. Yeah, this movie was pretty simple. And I mean that in the best way possible because it doesn't have to be complex you don't have to have a lot of huge twists and turns to have a good thrilling movie and this does that well it's just creepy it's kind of your nightmare scenario you just want to get home it's some ungodly hour in the middle of the night you're on this train that's broken down you're in the middle of nowhere it's cold it's damp it's foggy and all of a sudden People start dying by mysterious creatures coming out of the woods. And uh, spoiler alert, they're werewolves. But it works. It works because of the setting and because the characters are interesting. And we'll get more into it in the heroes and villains category. But you, you had a good, interesting mix of characters on the train to include the main character, the protagonist, who's kind of a loser coming out of the gate and finds himself kind of, sort of, in charge. I, I had to laugh because he got loosely. what he wanted. He wanted leadership and he got leadership. He got it. <laughs> loosely in <Yeah>. charge. <laughs> yeah. It was simple but effective. Excellent. All right. All right. Let's shift gears to 1981 and talk about an American werewolf in London and the story found therein. Aaron, I know you're a fan. Regale us with your thoughts on the storyline. Again, a lot of the same tropes, but again, this was 1981. So the tropes aren't as old at that point. The story itself was, yeah, I mean, you know, boy meets girl, boy tries to kill a girl. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> you know, it was a great story. I, I loved you know, the fact that his his best friend who died kept coming back. And every time he yes. came back, he was just a little bit worse for the wear. It was yes. a little bit more worse off. And, you know, his friends are trying to, his friends are trying to warn him, you know, you need to kill yourself. You need to, you know, you're into a werewolf. No, nah, you're crap. I'm, I'm dreaming. And then all of a sudden he starts doing it. And he's like, oh, crap. I guess I am. <laughs> but no, it was a great story. I just. I can watch that movie again and again without getting bored of it. Even though I know how it's going to play out. I know exactly how it's going to end. I enjoy the journey. Well said. Well said, Jason. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with the journey. I mean, we start by seeing the two characters, David and Jack hitchhiking through the English countryside there. The first thing that really grabs me coming out of this is it seems like a natural friendship. You really buy off on these characters right away. They're kind of like these guys of privilege that are having a little bit of an adventure. I'm guessing they're like maybe graduated high school and are just going into college or maybe a break at college, but they're at that age. And then they get attacked by a werewolf. (laughs) So one of them dies and the other's life changes. And to me, the interesting thing about the story is, and we'll get into this more in the heroes and the villain, because he's both the hero and the villain you're kind of on this journey with him and you're seeing it through the eyes of him as a werewolf. You know, at first he doesn't believe it. Then he's like, am I going crazy? And he's like, holy crap, I think I'm a werewolf. And then by the end of it, it's just kind of insane. But yeah, I think interesting journey with some very charismatic characters would be my summary of it. So 
expect a high score from me for an American werewolf in London. Same for me. The only thing I will add is I've always been taken by this film. I saw it for the first time when I was in high school, somewhere around 1994, 95. I was immediately impressed with how funny it is. Separated from Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween, it just had that distinct Landis bit to it that kept it interesting. It had just enough humor to not really downplay, but because it's a horror movie. It's a Mm -hmm. tragedy movie, you know, but there's just enough comedy in there to make it, because if they went too far with it, I think it would have ruined it. Yeah, Landis had just the right comedy, just the right bits just to make it. It made it work. I don't know. I just don't know how to describe it better than that. I mean, just made it stand out and unique. Jack is an interesting example of that because it's kind of a spooky thing that have the ghost of your dead friend coming back to visit you. But they always did it with a little tongue-in-cheek humor. There was always a little tongue-in-cheek humor there. And even after he murders those guys after his first spree, I always get a kick when he brings the ghosts or the zombies <laughs> back to the movie theater. Yeah. The British guy just is kind of like, thanks. Thanks a lot. You know, just like <laughs> yeah, just his attitude. He's not just not amused by this whole thing at all. He's just so British about it. It's funny. And not just any movie theater, but a porn movie theater. A porn theater. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We could go on and on, but the porn movie itself had the jokes in it. Like, you promised you'd never do this again. I didn't promise you anything. I'm talking to her, not to you. <laughs> right. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that Landis. Anyways, let's go. I actually want to see that porn movie just because it looks funny. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> let's score these films. Jason, let's take a journey back to Howell 2015, the story on a scale of 1 to 10. You went with? I went with a 7. I felt like, even though it was simple, the elements were just all there and it came together brilliantly. So, 7 for me. And we have our very first match game of the show. I also scored it a 7. American Werewolf in London, Jason, 1 to 10. I'm betting it's a little higher than a 7. What do you got? Yeah, I went with an 8 on this one. I think that this is kind of getting into the elite status, as we talked about. Just a little bit more complicated of a story, a little bit more humor mixed in. So I went with an 8 for an American Werewolf in London. Match game number two. Happy Halloween, folks. We're off to an early start of two match games because I also scored it an eight. And now comes the time where the sniper gets to pick which of these two films he thought went best on story. I bet I know where he's going to go, but let him reveal it. Well, my original thought, of course, Marvel Wolf in London, because it's great. I've seen it, I don't know how many dozens of times. But then I watched Hal, and like we've talked about, I was surprised. So I want to give it to Hal just because... It surprised me, but I've got to stick with the American Wolf in London. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. I'm back here. <laughs> he oh, took me, took me on a journey. There. Yeah, yeah, it's all over the place. So he's giving it to American Werewolf. So American <laughs> Werewolf in London gets the silver bullet. All right. So the sniper has spoken. We're off to two match games and a good sniper's bullet. That's the end of round one. And that'll bring it to me for round two. And in round two, we're going to talk about the hero. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? Got to have a good protagonist in your film. Does the hero carry the day or is he a little bit of dead weight? Let's talk about it. And we'll start with Aaron as our guest of honor. Why don't you give us your thoughts on the protagonist for Hal? Well, I think the protagonist was Joe, the the whatever he is, the money collector, <laughs> The ticket collector. The guard. He was the, the guard. guard. Right. He was the guard. I don't know if he's guarding, but uh, yeah. <laughs> he's guarding <laughs> <You know>? those tickets. 
but you know, I, I did like Joe. I thought he was a very, he was very like, uh, I think Jared said earlier, he was kind of a loser, but he was a lovable loser. Kind of like Charlie Brown. I was kind of rooting for him. You know, he had to deal with all these pissy people that, you know, people give him attitude, you know, that one gal, well, I ride the train all the time. Well, then you should have your, your stuff. You should know. And that other stupid gal that was on the phone, make a lot of noise. And <laughs> so I thought that, you know, dealing with everyone that he had to deal with, I thought Joe had a lot of, a lot of gumption, a lot of moxie, as I used to say back in my time. I mean, in the olden days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I thought Joe made a very good protagonist in this one. I agree. I think I think the lovable loser is a good way to describe him. De- definitely at least coming out of the gate. Jared, what do you think? Agree? Disagree? Totally agree. Yeah, Joe took a journey, you know, from being kicked while he was down and then kicked again and then kicked again and then kicked by a werewolf. And <laughs> it just... He had a rough night, but I love his heroic ending. The way he knew what had to be done. He sacrificed himself for the girl. And we told you there'd be spoilers, guys. You're going to go on this journey with Joe, and you're going to root for him so hard. But it's so well done that when you see that turn coming, you know, oh, this is the end of Joe. But he gets to go out like like a man, like a badass, you know. So hats off to Joe for taking his journey from, oh, I didn't get the promotion to... I'm going full bore against werewolves to save this girl. Yeah, that scene where he, uh, this is your guard. Last time that he says, this is your guard, this is what we're going to do on the intercom. I was like, okay, he's stepping up. He's finding himself. Yeah, you're a little sad for Joe, but you're also proud of Joe at the same time. Well, we talked about Joe. What what about uh, old David there over in American Werewolf in London? What are your thoughts on David, Aaron? Uh, Yeah, I I like David Naughton. I I remember him from the old Dr. Pepper commercials. I think he's a good actor for what he does. And as far as being the protagonist of the movie, again, I like David. He's he's kind of that, got that everyman attitude about him. He's not the loser that Joe was. I mean, he's a good looking guy. You know, him and his friend's out for a stroll through the moor. He gets attacked. And by being attacked by a werewolf, his best friend being mauled to death, and then dealing with all those snotty people at the bar and dealing with everyone, you know, thinking he's crazy. I, I thought he pulled it off pretty well. Again, I, I thought David was a great protagonist for the movie and he was very sympathetic because again like you said earlier or maybe was jared said earlier we saw becoming a werewolf through his eyes and through his feelings and again this goes into special effects but when you saw him changing for the first time and the pain in his eyes and his face you could just you fell for him again having seen the movie i don't know how many times knowing how it's going to end for him knowing how he's fighting it and he's trying to still be a human i guess you feel for the guy yeah, definitely. It's somebody that when we were that age could have been any friend of ours and somebody that you really like, you know, plus he starts that relationship with Alex and it's just like, oh, you know, what could be, but he's, he's a werewolf. <laughs> so that's a problem. Anyway, Jared, what do you think? I wholeheartedly agree with Aaron. It's a basic story. And like you alluded to earlier, Jason, and he's kind of the hero. He's kind of the villain. He's kind of his own villain, but he pulls it off with a real charm. That naked man stole my balloons. Something like that happened at one point, you know. And the naked you, American stole my balloons. <laughs> you know, mom. <laughs> naked man stole my. I balloons. mean, as soon as he was uh, hunched down naked, that bush calling a little kid over. I was like, oh, this is not. This is not good. This is not good. But no, he just is a charming character. Like you said, we get to go through the ride with him. I don't have a ton to add. I think you did a good job. Well, let's score him, Jared. What are you gonna give? The hero for how old Johnny Johnny boy. <laughs> His name is Joe. <laughs> Joe Joe boy. 
I like Joe a lot. I like the kind of the little ensemble cast of helpers that he had around him. I went all the way to a seven. I like Joe quite a bit. I'm giving Joe a seven. Well, we are running the table on these match games because I gave him a seven as well. I thought actually, you know, of the two, he was the better actor. I like the subtlety. You could see, like, he just wanted to smack the S out of that girl with the phone, you know, but he's like, got to do my job. And so, you know, you feel for him in, the di- in a little bit of a different way, I thought, where David Naughton's character was much more bombastic at times. I like the subtle reservedness of Joe. So ended up with seven there as well. Well, what about David? David over in an American werewolf in London. What'd you give him? Again, I thought he was above average, but I liked Joe a little better. So where Joe got a seven, David's getting a six, but it's a happy six. I gave him a seven. So this is our first little breakaway. I thought they were both really good. Like I said, I thought that uh, the actor that played Joe was a better actor. I think David was maybe given a little bit better direction, pulled a wide range of emotions off, as we talked about earlier. So even though he's a little rough around the edges throughout the film, I thought he carried it pretty well, so went with a seven for him as well. And I guess that just leaves the sniper. He's got one silver bullet and a sniper rifle, and who's he going to give it to? Tough choice. Both great movies, both great protagonists. I wanted to give it to David and Merrick World from London just because he pulled all out very well. But I ended up giving it to Joe because, like Weasel School said, it's he made. I don't know who had better material, but he he played it off a little more. I can't think of the right word I'm looking for, but a little more emotion, a little more uh, humanity, a little more, just a little more. So I'm going to give it to Joe. I like it. Thank you. He gave a little more, so he gets the silver bullet. There you go. That wraps up my round. I'm handing it back to you, Jared. That'll bring us to round three, and round three is the villain. I'll touch you like a fish. Mm, got us a bit of an interesting round because the villainy is a little weird in these movies. And to make a sense of all of it, we will start with Jason this time. Howell, 2015. Well, I think you got a couple folks that I would put in the villain category. The obvious one, the werewolves. Mm. Kind of hard to even call them a villain because as far as I know, they're just doing what nature intends them to do. And it's to kill stupid people. <laughs> Call the herd, as it were. It's like one of that time when I don't remember it was Siegfried or Rory got bit by a tiger and it was like, well, you were with a tiger. <laughs> tiger. Yeah. Hmm. You swim with sharks, you're going to get bit eventually. That's just the way it is. So you got the werewolves and I can't remember the guy, but you know, I just called him less than stellar person. And my summaries here. And he kind of, to me, he crossed that villain line when he sacrifices, throws the girl out. So to me, that was more pernicious than the werewolves. The werewolves were, they were werewolves. Not much to say about them. You don't have a lot of backstory or anything to work with. And then the less than stellar person guy was kind of cardboard cut out cookie cutter and i could kind of see where it was going i mean they were kind of leading you by the nose with that character in my opinion all right aaron villainy of howl yes i I do think like (laughs) like old weasel school said i think there were more pronounced villains in hell um yeah that less than stellar person guy as i jason called him yeah he was very much a villain yeah especially when he he was always kind of jerky and kind of like bro guy but yeah, when he when he pushed that one gal out the door, yeah, that just okay. Yeah, you're, you're the villain. 
And the yeah. werewolves in here, since we don't have one of them as our protagonist per se, I didn't feel for them as much as I did in the Werf, American Werewolf in London, but they did a good job. Like the, you were talking earlier about the special effects, the way it's part CGI and part prosthetics. I thought that made it look very good. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like I said, uh, when I was watching the movie with my family, well, not Jay, he's too young for how <laughs> I was like, you ever notice in all these movies where people chat, you, it's usually zombies. The real danger is never the zombies. It's always the other people. And that's exactly what you had going on in that train. Anyways, let's move it on to 1981. Let's get in our time way back machine. Go back to 81. And it's even more difficult, I think, to talk about the villainy of American Werewolf in London. Do your best, Jason. Yeah, this one was tough. This is definitely a man versus himself type moment. It's that struggle. And it kind of goes through the stages of grief a little bit. Like we go from denial to anger. And at the end, I think we maybe come to acceptance. We're not really 100% sure. They kind of leave that open. But to me, the moment that got me where you know he knows is when he calls his parents or tries to call his parents and then tries to kill himself and can't do it. So to me, that really shows the struggle. Uh, In his mind, he thinks the right thing to do is to kill himself so he doesn't kill anybody else. But the end, he can't do it. Does that make him evil? Does it make him bad? I don't know, man. I think I would argue not, but these are the kind of questions that a good movie (laughs) makes you start to ask yourself. So I'm just wrapping up by saying it's kind of hard for me to score it because it's hard to hard to call somebody a villain here. You've got a lot of heinous stuff that's happening, but not a real villain. Yeah, I guess the real villain died in the first act. And guy, he, <laughs> guy killed Jack and, and bit David. And who's to say? Like he was, he was he just was a torture. Basi- yeah, yeah. He, he he was basically the David before David. You know. So yeah. Anyways, Aaron, what do you got, man? Yeah, Jason summed it up nicely. This one here, I have a hard time finding the antagonist, the villain, because, like I said, even the guy at the beginning, at first, you would think, yeah, he, he's obviously a bad guy, but and I think part of it was seeing the transformation through David's eyes, we see that it's not just black and white that, you know, he's now evil. He's, he's an ordinary person that happens to turn to a werewolf and likes killing people when the, during the full moon. So, I mean, <laughs> so that even makes, yeah, the guy at the beginning, the werewolf, at the beginning less of a antagonist at that point, because yeah, he, as far as we know, he's suffering the same thing David is like you said. So I was really hard pressed on this one to find a villain or antagonist in this one, because yeah, and we saw through David's eyes and D- David's, you know, like you said, when he called his, his trying to get all his parents and got his sister and, and remember, I love you. Tell mom and dad, I love him. Very moving scene. And while he's talking to his sister, he's got the little pocket knife to his uh, wrist. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this. But yeah, he just can't quite do it. And then he says his, his, his dead buddy, which kind of stops him from trying anything else. So I, I wonder personally if Jack hadn't shown up, if David would try it again or what would have happened if, Meatloaf hadn't shown up and distracted him from <laughs> trying to kill himself. But no, yeah, it's very hard. Indeed it is. And I guess we'll find out how hard it is with the scoring. Jason, let's go back to Howell. Villainy's a little thin. What we did have was cardboard cutout. What'd you end up with? Well, I didn't want to go average or below average on this one because the effects of the werewolves were pretty doggone good. I really liked the... 
eyeballs in the wood line and seeing that it was just really cool, really spooky. The actor that played less than stellar person was good. I mean, he did a good job. I just I think it was kind of a clumsily, just not an original written part. So I ended up with a six on this. That's where I match games continue. I also scored it at a six. Let's move on to American Werewolf in London. That one's even tougher. What did you come up with? I wish I could throw some logic out like I just did for Hal, but at the end of the day, I was like, he's not really a villain, but I need to put a score down, so I gave it a six. All right, I gave it a five, because I was just like, I mean, like you said, I didn't want to go below average, but it's like, he's not really a villain. Anyway, can't explain it. I gave it a five. Snipers, silver, bullet. Where are we going? Hmm. Should we take a long ride this time? No, I'm just going to cut to the chase. I'm going <laughs> to give that right to Hal. All right. I mean, as I said, I say Merrick World in London was a little too hard to call a, a villain in it. Kind of the same thing with Hal, but even though he's kind of cliched and cookie cutter. Less than stellar person. Guy kind of pushed it over the edge and, and gave them the bullet. That's fair. Yeah, you really hated that guy. <laughs> you did. By the end of it, you are like, oh, just kill this guy. I, I mean, I hated him pretty much from the first time. He was like, I got these two sets of keys. One of them. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> then I just hated him more and more as Phil went on. But anyways, that's the end of my round. We all go a little mad sometimes. Well, I guess that's my cue because I'm going to pick it up for the spectacle round. We're going to talk about all things spectacle. We're going to talk about the action and the horror elements. We're going to talk about the sets, the lighting, the costumes. We're going to talk about music, sound effects. I'll wrap it up right here. Let's start with Hal, and let's start with Jared this time. Well, Jason, look for a strong score for me. I thought the blend of practical effects with the CGI, just so you could get the extra joint in the dog leg, if you will, was mwah, perfect. It's way better than going with the CGI werewolf. I think it was just a perfect blend. So just the creature effects themselves, top notch. The beautiful wide shots when they'd show you the full moon in the forest and the fog and, like you said, the eyes in the woods the claustrophobia of the train to the people, to the guard uniforms. You know, I, I haven't ridden the trains in England, but man, it seemed legit to me. It just, everything, everything was really, really good. I'll try to leave something for Aaron. I've rambled, <laughs> rambled on, but yeah, look for a good score. I was really surprised at how much I liked the spectacle of Howell. So Aaron, are you picking up what Jared's putting down? Um, Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, no, it was... <laughs> Yeah, no, the effects of that, I mean, it was 2015, so it was a lot newer than American Warfare in London. But yeah, the effects they did in that, like we've all said a couple of times, I think, the, the combination of the CGI and the prosthetics on the werewolves was fantastic. There was some great shots. The music was good in there. It was just, yeah, fantastic. I enjoyed the movie. I, going into it, I didn't expect very much. I By then, I was like, wow, that was a really good movie for, you know, especially for not being, you know, like a mainstream out there movie, you know, for something I'd never heard of before. Never heard of it. Oh, yeah. Damn good job. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with Jared 100%. All right, let's pass it back over to you and go back in time a few years, Jared, and talk about an American werewolf in London. How does the spectacle of that hold up? Well, clearly it won the very first ever Best Makeup Effects Award. So, I mean, let's put our cards on the table. I mean, as far as werewolf transitions go, I think it might still be the gold standard, even though it's made in 1981. That is incredible. These days, they do a lot of it by CGI. You know, if you watch, I think, Wolfman with Benicio Del Toro, I want to say that was a CGI 
transition. It's been a while since I've seen it. I, I reserve the right to be wrong. But the practical effects of 81, of him turning into a werewolf, is clearly the standout of the film. Now, where I think it hurts the film just a little bit, and don't worry out there, folks, I'm still going to give this movie a great score because it, it's amazing. The only part where I really felt like it hurt like, is I just feel like they never got their hands around what they wanted to do when he was full werewolf. Because like all that stuff at the end, it's always sort of just, just in the corner of the frame, kind of a head bobbing. Like, they never really showed us werewolf. I think they never quite got where they wanted to go with that. Having said that, I want to talk more good about it and talk about its score. Its score uses mostly pop songs from the 50s and 60s, and every one of them has the word moon in it, which I thought was really clever. That just really landed up the movie a little bit. And I will shut up and leave something for Aaron. Your cue, Aaron. Take it away. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, like I say, a lot of that was, I think he was making up as he went along as far as the, the special effects. He did a great job. Like Jared said, the wolf portion of it was, especially, I mean, back then, it wasn't too bad because, again, I'm watching it on a, a TV, you know, yay, yay big. But, you know, I'm watching it on my 75-inch, you know, high-definition 4K TV. <laughs> the wolf part of it, you can tell that it's it, it's early. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty right. It probably does play better on a VCR hooked up to a... 17 inch maybe uh <laughs> tube tv <laughs> but yeah well yeah watch it on my you know my my crystal 4k you know it brings it down a little bit just because it looks fake what we do see of the wolf it, it, he's like jared said we're not quite sure what they're going for is he a full wolf is he part wolf it, you don't get a good look at him and the parts you do see at times it looks fake but i don't want to distract from that because again this movie is 40 years old almost and I guess we, yeah, because it's 81. So, yeah. 40 years old. So, this movie's 40 years old. So, I mean, when it came out, I watched, I think I watched it like in uh, 84 on HBO. I was 14 and uh, or thereabouts. I mean, I asked my mom, can I watch this? You know, where are movies? Because I wasn't allowed to watch radar movies, blah, blah, blah. And I was a good kid. And my mom's like, well, you know what? You're getting old enough. Make your own choice. Don't come crying to me. And, uh, <laughs> Then the porn, like porn theater scene came and you were like, what is that? I've got a whole other list of movies I want to see, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was for the time, especially. Because I can't hold it against modern effects because, again, it's 40 years old. So I, even for the time, it was very good. On my, you know, I had a 20-inch TV or something back then, maybe smaller than that. It was a great special effects then. And for the most part, except for the, the wolf part, the special effects hold up really well. Uh, the transformation scenes where, you know, you can actually, you can see his bones growing, his legs growing and, and shifting, and you can see the pain on him as he's shifting. I thought that was great. Beautiful music. I love the music, the, the shots, the scenes, scenes around London. It was just fantastic. I think Jared summed it up. It was just a great, beautiful movie. Yeah, just two observations for me on this topic, talking about the werewolf. Number one is I got the feeling of kind of like Jaws, where it's more the the menace of the werewolf than actually seeing the full effect. And kind of like in Jaws, when you do see the full shark, you're kind of like, eh, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> you see the full werewolf, kind of same thing. And then the other thing is, too, talking about the transformation, I think this is where we got to really tip our caps to Naughton, because he acted his ass off in that scene. Holy cow. I mean, he sold it to me. It's like, I don't know what a werewolf transformation would look like, but I'll bet it's that. I'll bet it's that. So. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> okay, well, let's just score it. Jared, 
What are you going to give Spectacle for Howl? I surprised myself, much like Aaron said. You know, when we pick these movies before doing this, Jason, it's kind of like horror film face-offs of the past where we pick something maybe we've never seen. I'd never seen Howl. Nobody even heard of it. That's how we ended up with Vampirella one year, which was fun in its own way. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not as much fun as Howl. (laughs) (laughs) But still, I was shocked when I sat down and wrote down my score and said, you know what? I'm giving Howl an eight. I think it was just a really, really good looking movie. Fair. I didn't go quite that high. I landed on a seven. I think if I would have seen more manic werewolf action, I might have been to an eight. But uh, for what I saw, I gave it uh, a very confident seven. So switching over, going back in time a little bit to 1981, what are we giving the spectacle for an American werewolf in London? Match eights. I'm going to give it an eight as well. Uh, Is it a little more dated? Yep. Do you have to built in the fact that it's 40 years old? Absolutely. I mean, if it's getting an eight, we're 2015s. Howl is getting an eight. That speaks very, very well of American World in London. So another eight. Yeah, I went with an eight as well. So that's our next match game. Uh, I think you have to factor in the age a little bit, maybe quite a bit. (laughs) But and for me watching it, I was still like amazed at how well it held up. I mean, we talked about the flaws, but at the end of the day, I was still believing I was seeing a transformation into a werewolf there. You know, and maybe we'll talk about it in the final scene, but the Piccadilly Circus, that end scene where he comes out of the theater and things are just like, it's like a Rube Goldberg device of chaos. There, <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, so eight for me. But that just leaves the sniper to determine who's going to get the bullet. Um, I got my sights set on, well, with inflation, everything added into it, I've got to give it to American War from London. You guys said they were both great, but yeah, American War from London. Like Jared said, you know, for being 40 years old, we got to take that into account. And other than the, well, I said the transformation scene was fantastic. Even still, the only problem I had with was the wolf scenes. And again, it wasn't made be made on to watch my 75 inch TV. <laughs> Honestly, you know. Yeah. 40 was, years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That detail. So yeah, no, I'm going to give it to American War from London. I think that's fair, you know, especially from my point of view, where they're both eights. Yeah. If I had Don't to like know. pick a bullet, I'd say, hey, you if you can keep up with a 2015 movie from 81, you get yeah. the bullet. So I hear you. Yeah, no slight to hell, as you said. We haven't even mentioned the fact, the post-credit, where the producers wish to <laughs> wish the best of, of love and health to Princess Diana. <laughs> Prince Charles, yeah. Prince Charles, like, well. It does have a depressing note in hindsight. But, you know, I, I read that they put that in there because of the line where David Naughton says he's trying to get people to arrest him. Oh, says, Prince yeah. Charles is a like, yeah, they, yeah. they were a little sensitive to that. They wanted to let him know that, that, you know, he was acting out of character, no hard feelings. And that's why they put it in there. I kind of thought that might have something to do with it. Yeah. I read up on that and I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. All right. Well, I'm going to hand it to you to hand it back to me for best <laughs> horror scene. <laughs> All right. Let's get to round five. They mostly come at night. Mostly. Round five is best horror scene. It's got my name next to it on our script, but it's not my round. I just guide things. This is Jason's round to entertain us. So what we're going to do is we'll have Jason tell us what horror scenes he came up with for Howl. We'll all pick our favorites. And then Jason will give us his horror scenes from American Werewolf in London. We'll all pick our favorites. Then we'll double back and score them. And then Aaron will have the unenviable position of figuring out which movie had better horror scenes. Good luck with that. But Jason, break them down. 
Well, I know you said try to keep it short, but with Hal, it was very tough because basically the horror scenes all revolve around the death or transformation slash death of somebody, right? Yes. So I kind of broke it down by deaths. And, you know, I gave my little little blurb next to it, you know, just a little flavor. Here we go. go. (laughs) Okay, first death was the death of the iPhone chick. I called that one, oh, no, someone grab her. <laughs> oh no! We lost the annoying girl. Oh, with the phone. Just throw the. Make sure the phone gets thrown out too. Number two is death of the fat kid on the toilet. I called that one. I hope you washed his hands. <laughs> Cleanliness is next to deadliness. I, you know, I was thinking too when they after the wolf ate him, it's like that wolf wouldn't have to eat for like three days. <laughs> That's wrong, but it's funny. But, As a fat guy, I agree. You would have eaten me. You guys would have been safe. If like, the wolves just laying around the forest, like, oh, I ain't oh, gonna chase him. I ain't gonna uh, chase him. So full. <laughs> All right. The third one was actually the death of the werewolf. When the wolf comes in, and then they beat the wolf to death, and then I think his name was Matt. Maybe he was Pakistani or whatever. The kid with the axe. <laughs> he went nuts. Ooh, he went full throttle. I just called that one down, boy. That's all I could really think about. It's not very original. But then the next one after that was the death of Matt. I was like, what were you thinking? What were you thinking going into those woods? Then finally, death of the old man at his wife's when she transformed and bit him. I just called that one. That's true love. No funny there, but really, that's true love. All right. Death of the Scottish chick. I called that one. Adding a pinch of ginger to the recipe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Number seven is death of duct tape kid. The kid that duct taped the thing under the train. I call that one good effort, man. He was good effort. That kid came in swinging. He did. He He did. did. Yep. Went out swinging, too. Then number eight is the death, quasi-death transformation of Joe. And I called that one, someone's getting his ticket punched. (laughs) And then that leads us to number nine, death of less than stellar person. It's this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Or, oh no, part two. two. (laughs) About time. (laughs) So, those are your choices. All right, let's pick our favorites of the ones that Jason has to offer. Uh, Of all those, which one was your favorite horror moment, Aaron? Like you said, it was a tough call. They're, They're all great scenes. I'm gonna go for the fat guy in the John. <laughs> that was good. It was that, that was, was a good it, scene. It, yeah, I know. If I was Joe and I saw you know the, the dents in the door, I wouldn't wait to ground as long. I would get the hell out of there. Yeah. But, <laughs> like he's dead. You know what? <laughs> Can't help him. I've seen this. I've seen this movie. I ain't, no, I ain't sticking around. But no, I'm gonna give it to that one because they're all great scenes. It was hard to to narrow it down, but yeah, I spend my will of doom, and that's what I came up with. That was a good scene. It was powerful. I kind of liked the guy in the John. Yeah, he's just a guy who liked him some some soccer, some football, as it's known. Mm-hmm. And, he's a uh, fat guy that likes to eat and ask go to the bathroom all the time. I feel for <laughs> you. Relate, relate related characters. I got it. Now, I, been, I mostly related to the less than stellar person. Damn it. <laughs> you got to throw that redhead out, too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jason, what was, what was your favorite? I'm going to give it to the duct tape kid. I thought that good effort, because that scene was really ramping up. The werewolves were closing in on the two remaining Joe and the and the girl. 
you know, I thought they were, I was like, how are they going to get out of this? And then boom, he comes in throwing Molotov cocktails and stuff. And I was like, Oh, and (laughs) I was sad that he died in that scene. I mean, I was like, Oh man, he's kind of kicking butt. And then he almost gets off the train and then ah, gets pulled back in. So just powerful scene. And I thought he went out baller. So, well, I, I will see if it's match game as far as score goes, but I also picked duct tape kid. I feel like it even may go back to our last episode of action film face off where my favorite action scene, I, think or one of ours was when they didn't know what to do they set the whole room on fire yeah that was that was uh that uh thing from another world it was thing from another world they didn't know what to do and they uh they set the whole room on fire to try to save themselves it felt like that's so what i'm saying is i think i like scenes where somebody sets something on fire maybe that's it's just chaos it was like like you said i was like oh they're they're screwed and it was like duct tape man just came in like heck yeah and i i really thought he'd have more to do with them, but it was like duct tape mail. Oh, <laughs> you know? oh no. like his his theme song didn't even finish playing before he was done. <laughs> but I really like that scene too. So, all right, we'll come back and score those momentarily. What do you got for us for American Werewolf in London? I'm betting it's pretty thin. Yeah, not as many here. I've got it down to five. Well, the first scene. I'm trying is, to figure out how he got five seats. <laughs> well, the first scene is when they're attacked on the moor. I called this one. This is story of Jack and Dave, two American boys, and English werewolf craves. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right. Number two, the dream sequence where his family's getting killed by Nazi werewolves. <laughs> Was it out of left field? Bizarre. I call that Awusigheil, Nazi werewolves in London. <laughs> All right. I had fun with these. You could do Clearly. Then number three, the first time he transforms and he kills the less than stellar person in those bums, the homeless guys. Maybe bums isn't such a politically correct term. To say I'm still enough. trying to figure out what I'm going to bleep less than stellar person. You're not, to be honest with you. Some people are offended by that. Well, get ready for another one because this is what I call. This is Song of Werewolf Dave. It's British bums and a less than stellar person. He craves. <laughs> it's a remix of the original song. Right, right. There you go. There you go. Very nice. Number four, the porno theater. Okay, I called it murder <laughs> style. <laughs> <laughs> I have to figure out if we're going to leave that in or not. It was too good to not say, but I know it's like walking, <laughs> walking the edge. I'll leave that to you, dude. You make me make so many hard decisions in the editor's booth. <laughs> and then, <laughs> sorry, number five, eh, it's kind of lame after murdered style. But when they get outside in Piccadilly Circus and, and it's just utter chaos, I just called it Piccadilly Chaos. Piccadilly Chaos. All right, Aaron, of those offerings, which one did you think was the best horror moment of the movie? I think he missed one. No, I'm joking. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I would have had the style in the last one as one probably because it was just one big long to me. But you can make that argument, yeah. That, that's why I was surprised a five. But I'm gonna go with uh, probably the last one, the the Piccadilly Circus, just because I, I like the name of the fourth one. But that's another story entirely. <laughs> but it made me laugh, and I think part of the reason I liked it because like I said there was a lot of you know wasn't as much killing in that one. But there were a lot more accidents and a lot more crashes because of the wolf running around. And then just, and maybe I'm going too far with it, but the final scene where David's down that, that alley or whatever it was, cops open fire on him and just kill him. I consider that one big long scene. And I just, I have to give it to that last scene. 
I'll go ahead and tip my card and say I agree with you, Aaron. Absolutely. Last scene for me, too. Jason, what do you think? Well, let's make it the hat trick. I thought the same thing. It's it just utter chaos. You had people getting launched out the windows of cars and buses. You got some guy get impacted, kind of T-boned against a car. It was just crazy. It was crazy chaos. Yes. And then it ends in that alley, and that last scene is just so touching. It's just such a juxtaposition against what just happened before it that, yeah, I have to pick Piccadilly Chaos. Yeah, there's like 100 car crashes, which made me think of the, all the car crashes from Blues Brothers, which was directed by John Landis. John Landis. <laughs> Dude liked his car movie. crashes. <laughs> all right, let's double back and score them. Jason, we uh, both liked Duct Tape Guy from Howl. You like that scene on scale of one to 10? At... I liked it at a seven. I thought it was well above average, uh, exciting. I really like the character and was sad to see him go. Seven as well. Match game. We are match gaming. Don't drive home tonight, folks. Uh, we are match gaming like crazy on this episode. I also have it at a seven. All right. Let's move to American Werewolf in London. We all like the final scene. Jason, scale of one to ten, you liked it to the tune up. I went with an eight on this one. The practical effects I really liked. It was quite riveting. I mean, it was literally like watching a terrible accident occur in real time. And then you had the tender moment at the end with Alex and the wolf, David. And you're wondering like, oh, is this, what's going to happen? Can this be a happy ending? And then suddenly, boom, no. And then pow, 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 you know, finally soldiers show up and like, I'll take care of this. Come on, man. <laughs> and may I point out what amazing aim they had to hit the werewolf and not the girl from the distance. They were like, 20, oh, 30 I could meters. <laughs> 20, shot. 30 meters. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't even have to be sober to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, you him. were bull, you were bullseye uh, womp rats in the T-16 back home. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought those were incredible shots. And I was going to ask, since uh, over on the G.I. Joe show I do, Jared is our military authenticity. That's who I am. How authentic would that be for them to be able to hit the werewolf without a girl? <laughs> You had some real sharp shooters on that one, I think. Jason could do it, clearly. But well, you know, I mean, in all seriousness, I probably could. I can put a shot group inside of a quarter at 50 yards, you know. So, I mean. Nobody likes to show off, Jason. Let's move on. With well, no. Just <laughs> any, any soldier can. Any, any soldier can put a quarter-sized shot group at 50 yards. I mean, you just train to do it and train to do it and train to do it. You know, there's going to be elements there like it's night. Uh, it's a freaking werewolf. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, might be this is unusual. <laughs> I get your adrenaline moving a little. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'm like I'm shooting that werewolf. If the girl takes a round or two, I mean, you know, oh, sorry, but <laughs> but that werewolf is going Chase down. Is, Chase is doing fifty yard shot group side of a quarter. Uh, see, I was Air Force that had a nine millimeter, so I was happy to get like a size of a dinner plate. <laughs> Well, I mean, they were using five, five, six rounds assault right NATO assault rifles. So, I mean, at that range and the size of that wolf, they could do it. You know, as long as she was holding still, which she was holding pretty still. So, there you have it, folks. The military authenticity of the show. But I was a little further apart than Jay. This was the first part we've been. I actually scored the last scene a six. No slide on it, but I think I was just really brought down by the like we talked about the the fakey wolf. That we never really got to see. Like to me, it was just like a, a collection of car crashes and not so much about a werewolf, you know? I was just like, 
Jared really wanted to see the porno and was like, could you guys yeah. go back inside? <laughs> Can we cut back to the previous scene? So did I. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I got to say, the fact know. that he filmed a mock porno to put into, like, I know. into his movie just makes it all the, that much funnier. But anyways, I went with a six. So that's the farthest we've been apart, though. Jason got an eight. I got a six. And it's time for Aaron to put his silver bullet. Which movie overall did you think had better horror scenes? Even there have not been as much, I'm going to have to give it to Merrick Warfare of London. Because, again, with inflation from you know, as old as it is and what they were dealing with, other than the fakey wolf portion of it, I thought it looked damn good. So I'm going to give it, again, not a slight to Hal. Hal did a fantastic job, but just a little bit to American Warfare of London. And a couple of things we haven't met, I, we hadn't mentioned that I want to mention just because it's who I am. I do want to give a nod to uh, Holly Weston, who played Ellen in Hal. That was the girl that Joe liked. She was hot. And uh, <laughs> that's who I did. Okay. I thought, I thought we were going to get something profound here, but <laughs> all right. We met. I see, I've been recording with you like I have your brother. Jerry probably knew where to go. <laughs> I should have known. London, Jenny Agutter, who played Alex Price. Beautiful woman. I want to say that she, didn't she end up also being the nurse to Darkman and Darkman? Uh, while we're talking add-on things, I love the doctor from American World in London. You only hear one side of the phone conversation, but he's like, well, just tell him I'm dead. <laughs> tell yeah. him I died. It's <laughs> like, what? This guy's awesome. I survived Rommel. I can survive him. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Love that guy. All right. With all this shenanigans aside, we have just one more round to go. So I give it back to Jason. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Yeah, it's me again. It's time for the deduction round where we deduct points for silliness for things that we just can't let go things that are just outrageous beyond the pale if you will and i will start with jared and say is there anything that you want to deduct minus from how no but i'm pretty sure i just confirmed that jenny agutter was the nurse in dark <laughs> i was looking at it myself and i, when I, I, got she, say, yeah, I think she, she played in one of the captain america civil war or was or an avengers it, Winter and Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is Councilwoman Holly. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not a trivia round, folks. But no I, have no, I have no deductions for Hal. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I also have no deductions for Hal. So let's switch it over to an American werewolf in London. You going to take anything away? Not really. I was slightly confused about how they did seem like teens or college kids of privilege to go on this European vacation. But then again, they're getting around the back of like... <laughs> sheep trucks and stuff like so i guess they're like ballers on a budget you know like <laughs> we're, we're doing this but we got unlimited resources but no i thought that added to the charm i have nothing to take away from the film i do i have a point i'm removing so david is obviously because we see in his dreams his house and his parents and his family his family has some money explain to me how this man can be attacked his best friend murdered and him laid up in a london hospital for three weeks and none of his parents fly over to see if he's okay you don't see them at all what kind of parents are these this is ridiculous <laughs> minus one maybe they just didn't like him <laughs> he didn't get a sky striker for christmas ah that's <laughs> that'll change anybody's oh my goodness all right well with that that is the end of our official rounds Okay, folks, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home. We do that for you here at Horror Film Face Off. 
First, let's look at match games. If you guessed one, two, three, four, five, six match games, then you guessed correct because we matched six times on this one. And if you like the breakdown of, hey, where did the sniper bullets go? Our guest, Aaron, Brotherhead, Meatloaf, Moss, ended up getting three bullets to American Werewolf in London and two bullets to Howl. And I'm going to give you a little spoiler, folks. It made all the difference. Jason and I were in lock scores on both films. We had a tie, so it was Aaron who made all the difference. So looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Horror Film Face-Off with a score of 72 to 71 is an American Werewolf in London. Still a champion. You got to love it, though, because like we all said, going into this, we were like, oh, this is going to be a beatdown. We hadn't heard a howl. We're like, it's taking a beatdown. And to get within one point of this horror classic, tip of the cap, howl. Tip yes, very much. Yep. Great film, Hal. I was mad impressed at Hal. Well, I mean, American Wolf in London, not only is it a classic, but as Jared has said, directed by John Landis, who's done numerous, numerous fantastic films, for how to be neck and neck with it. Definitely a great job. Well, congratulations to an American werewolf in London. Now let's grab some beef chow mein and head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. ...1995. And I will bring a film from... Choose Your Destiny. 2012. What will those films be? Well, we're going to tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. And we're looking at you, Dave. Or you can tune in next episode and just jump in cold to find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weaselskull Albrecht, and you can find me on social media at Weaselskull on Twitter or Jason Albrecht on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. At Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my wares at theyardsaleartist.com. And now for the moment you've all been waiting for, where can people find you in your numerous podcasts, Mr. Aaron Brotherhead Meatloaf Moss? Um, I can be found. My website is headcastnetwork.com. All my shows are on there. I've got seven ongoing shows right now. I'm on Facebook. I have two different Facebook groups, uh, Headcast Network. You can also look for uh, my G.I. Joe group, which is at, at facebook.com slash group slash G.I. Joe. I'm also on Twitter, but I don't do very much on there on Instagram. But look for Headcast Network and you'll find me. Thank you for being with us, Aaron. It's always a pleasure to have you here. And be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, pretty much whatever you're listening to now. We'll carry the entire Longbox Crusade network, so just search for it. Or go to www.longboxcrusade.com. If you want to send us a question or comment, you can hit us up on social media at Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or at AFFO Podcast on Twitter if you want to get with us directly. We love hearing your thoughts on the battles who you like better, what movie you like better, your trivia is your insight. So stop by AFFO Podcast on Twitter and let's hear from you. 
You can also find our live stream events on Longbox Crusade's YouTube channel. You guessed it, it's just Longbox Crusade. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until next time, keep your silver bullets handy. And your garlic garlic fresh. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Two out of three ain't bad. You see the thing I'm going with here? It's it's a meatloaf joke. All right, 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 right. right. Two out of three ain't. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) If you really want to make sure it gets bleeped, do it in Mary Jane's voice. (laughs) So I don't have a Mary Jane voice. Don't get Jason started. (laughs) I have my wife come here and do it, you know. All right, let me get into the spoiler warning because we are going to spoiler the heck. We're going to spoiler. We're going to spoil. Yeah, we're going to spoiler them. We definitely are. The verb to spoiler. (laughs) We're going to do that. So uh, you minus it, Jason. (laughs) You just minus it. Spoiler it. A routine late night British wet. Damn, that's a tongue twister. (laughs) Try this again. And you can find me, Jared Ulrich, the yard sale archivist. (laughs) The hell am I? You are kind of all the yard sales. I guess. <laughs> Try that again. I'll bleep that. that? <laughs> I'm about to bleep that. <laughs> if it was Patty, bleep it. <laughs> the peer, the. the <laughs> <laughs> all of it. <laughs> bleep, bleep. What's on bleep, bleep? <laughs> so, uh, peak. I'm not an NBC thing. Okay. NBC streaming service, I assume. Well, it's the, yeah, there's NBC streaming service, but then there's peak. I'm sorry, P. <clears throat> <laughs> <clears throat> Whatever, however you want to believe it out. But... <laughs>